In this week's episode of TechSess, I'm going to share with you why relying on MFA alone is a risky mistake. I'm Mark Riddell and this is the TechSess Podcast. We publish a new episode every Wednesday packed full of IT and cybersecurity advice to help businesses like yours to make the right decisions and get the best from your technology investment. Make sure to follow TechSess on your favourite podcast player to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Welcome to this episode of TechSess, and today we're going to talk about a critical topic that affects all of us that use online accounts. It's about multi-factor authentication, commonly known as MFA. Now, don't get me wrong, MFA is a fantastic security measure that adds an extra layer of protection to our online accounts, but relying on MFA alone can be risky, and today I want to shed some light on the potential dangers of relying solely on MFA to safeguard your online accounts. So let's dive in. First, let's quickly recap what we mean by MFA or multi-factor authentication, because I never assume that people know about all the things I'm talking about, because I always say you don't know what you don't know, right? So MFA is sometimes called 2FA or two-factor authentication. These are interchangeable terms now, and whichever one you want to use is up to you. I don't see 2FA being banded about a lot. It tends to just be MFA now. And this is a security feature that requires users to provide two or more separate forms of identification to verify their identity when logging into an account. So this typically involves something that you know, like a password, sometimes something that you have, like a fingerprint or a hardware token. So anyone that does online banking, especially for business banking, you might have those little RSA tokens that you click and it generates a six time or six digit code each time and something that you are effectively like facial recognition. So logging into your phone with your face ID or fingerprint recognition. In most cases though, it is simply just entering a six digit code after you've entered your username and password. So type in your username, password, and then you get a prompt to enter this code, which is either sent to you via an SMS text or generated using an app such as Microsoft or Google Authenticator. And I just want to make the point that if you have the choice between SMS or app-based MFA, use app-based every time. SMS-based multi-factor authentication is open to attack, and I'm going to share a couple of stories later in this episode, and you'll see why SMS is not the preferred method. Now, MFA has become popular security measure for loads of online services and platforms because it provides the extra layer of protection against cyber threats such as phishing attacks, password breaches, and unauthorized access. It can greatly reduce the risk of an account compromise and data breach, and it's also relatively easy to set up and use. Microsoft themselves even say that MFA prevents 99% of Office 365 account breaches. However, Despite its effectiveness, MFA is not a silver bullet and relying on it alone to protect your accounts can be risky. So the first danger of relying solely on MFA is the false sense of security it can create. Many people believe that enabling MFA is enough to safeguard their accounts from all threats. However, as we know, cyber criminals are constantly evolving their techniques and tactics to bypass security measures, including MFA. For example, attackers can use social engineering techniques such as phishing or spear phishing to trick users into providing their MFA codes or tokens 
or intercept them through man-in-the-middle attacks. Once attackers have access to the MFA code, they can easily bypass the second factor and gain unauthorized access to your accounts. Even simpler than that, they can actually just spam a user with requests to the point where the user just accepts the login request via the app simply to get their phone to shut up, which is exactly how Uber got hacked recently. Now, can you imagine an employee, a member of your team, being woken up at 3 a.m. with their phone pinging constant MFA alerts? Really annoying, right? And you can understand why someone might just hit the yes button so they can silence the phone and get back to sleep. And that's how Uber got caught out. And recently, I was dealing with a situation where it's called company A and company B, right? Company A was blaming company B for them being fished and having to pay out thousands of pounds to an attacker. Company A's IT company didn't help the situation by defending them and saying that they had MFA in place on their Office 365 email account, so they couldn't possibly have been compromised. Then I asked if they were using SMS or app-based MFA, to which they said SMS. And I said, well, that's probably how they got compromised then. A user has been fished at some point recently in which they gave access to their email account. They then went and checked the things that I told them to go and look for, and then they came back and confirmed that they could now see that an attacker had got access to the email accounts, and they'd set a couple of mail rules to forward copies of invoices to a Gmail account that the hackers had set up. They then sent an updated invoice stating that the payment details had been changed, and the victim then pays the money to the wrong bank account. Simple, effective, devastating for businesses as they usually don't recover the money and they still need to pay the original supplier on the genuine invoice. Now, this happens much more commonly than people would realise, right? And another danger of relying solely on MFA is the single point of failure. So if your MFA method is compromised or it's unavailable, you might find yourself locked out of your own account. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only person that has driven all the way to the office to realize that they've left their phone at home, gone to log into their systems and find out that you can't log into anything. So you literally have to drive back and get your phone because you can't do anything without it. So if you lose your phone or your battery's dead or something else has happened to it, then you're pretty much stuffed. You're not going to, be able to log into anything. So that is the slight downside of these things, right? But for example, if you rely solely on a hardware token and you lose it or it gets damaged or stolen, you might find that you can't access your business bank account until you get a replacement. And as we know, when it comes to banks, things don't happen quite quickly like this. So you might have to apply to get a new token sent out and then wait a few weeks, maybe quicker than that if you're lucky. But certainly it's going to happen over a few days probably that standard three to five business day response thing, right? During which time you can't access your business bank account. Now, what if that happened during payroll time? You can't pay any of your staff. And then they have responsibilities and bills to pay and kids to feed and stuff. So you can imagine that even if you fix the problem, the interruption it's going to cause could be quite disruptive for a lot of people. So yeah, this can result in massive inconvenience, bit of downtime, loss of productivity. And one of the other issues is that not all online services support MFA still. If you rely solely on it and use it on some of your accounts, that's great. Attackers may then target the accounts without MFA, knowing that they have a higher chance of success. 
So this means that the other accounts that don't have that additional layer of protection may become vulnerable to attacks and your overall online security may be compromised. As I always say, it's what you don't do in security that causes you problems, not the things that you are doing. I've seen quite a few times when I'm speaking to businesses that they may be using a system that is developed by a smaller software developer, something that's not so well commonly used. Those are the types of systems that tend to be a bit behind on implementing security measures like MFA. And sometimes you don't have a choice because it might be an industry-specific bit of software that you need to use and there's not an alternative. What I would then say is put pressure on the vendor to make sure they're on the ball. When are they going to roll out additional security measures so that you can help protect your business? So what should you do to protect your online accounts? Key is to adopt a multi-layered security approach. Think of cybersecurity the same way as you would approach your house security. You might have CCTV, which is a great visual deterrent and will put off a lot of thieves. Then you'll have door and window locks, which should prevent simple breaking attempts, but aren't going to stop a determined burglar. And then you'd have an alarm system to warn you or a monitoring center if someone does actually get in. Now, none of these things are effective on their own, but together they do a great job of preventing most attacks. So MFA should just be one part of your security strategy, not the only one. and. I'm going to share some tips to enhance your online security beyond MFA. But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download. And this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now let's get back to the episode. First, and you've heard me say this dozens of times, is always use strong, unique passwords for each account. Can't say that enough, right? Passwords are still here. And while they're still here and common, you're going to have to get better at creating passwords. So you need to avoid using common passwords or easily guessable information. Now, a lot of people don't quite know what that actually means. So here's some advice on that. Don't use anything that's personally identifiable. So no PII, personally identifiable information in passwords. We still see a lot of breach passwords where people are using their husband, their wife's, their children, or their pet's name in their password. Think about using a password manager to generate and store complex passwords securely, which will also allow you to have unique passwords for every single account. Now you can get password managers that are designed specifically for businesses that enables you to control passwords used for your business accounts. And if you want to find out more about this, then I suggest that you get in touch and have a chat and I can share how to get on a call with me at the end of this show. Secondly, stay vigilant against phishing attacks. You need to be cautious of unexpected emails, messages or phone calls asking for your account credentials or MFA codes. 
always verify the authenticity of the requests before providing any sensitive information. Ensure you're always checking the email addresses that any email is sent from. Don't just assume that because you see Google or Microsoft in the email address that it's genuine. Now, hackers are extremely clever and they know that you don't pay much attention to these things. This is especially important on mobile devices where the mail app may only show you the display name, which can actually be altered by the sender to appear as whatever they want it to appear as. So it's critical that you check the actual email address, which you can normally do on your smartphone or tablet by clicking on the email that it's come from and it should reveal the actual email address so you can check it. So what do you need to look for? Well, the important thing is to check what comes immediately before the .com. It's likely to be genuine email if you see, say, Microsoft.com or Google.com. So if Microsoft is immediately before the .com part, it's likely to be genuine, okay? But watch out for what even comes before that. For example, if the domain is security-services-microsoft.com, then that's not a genuine Microsoft address. What would be a genuine Microsoft address is security.microsoft.com because the security part is what we call a subdomain of Microsoft. And that tells us that Microsoft.com is the actual domain name. Now, sometimes it helps to draw this out. So I get that it might be slightly tricky to get this across here on a podcast. So if it doesn't make sense, feel free to reach out to me and I'll happily help you understand this better on a video call. What you should really be considering here is implementing security awareness training for your team. Now, services like this I've talked about before on the show, they start at just a few pounds per month per user and they go a long way to improving the security of your business because we help educate and make users aware of some of the things that I've just discussed. Now, thirdly, you need to keep your software and devices up to date with the latest security patches and updates. And this includes your operating system, web browsers and any apps or plugins that you use. You could also regularly update MFA methods such as changing your hardware token and ensuring that your phone number and any email addresses associated with your accounts are up to date as well. Next up, enable any additional security features that are offered by the online service or platforms that you use, such as email or text notifications for suspicious logins or changes to your account settings. Quite often you've probably seen this in the past where you may get an email say, hey, your password's just been changed or for this account or some other security alert. Make sure those notifications are turned on and make sure you pay attention to them and actually look at these things if you didn't change it. Google is really good at this. If you log in from a different device you've never logged into before, you'll get a notification from email. Sometimes you get a pop-up notification on your phone as well to say, hey, you've just logged in from this different device. Was that you? And you can say, yeah, it was me or no, it wasn't. Of course, if it wasn't you and it's not anyone else that you've allowed to access your account, like someone in your family or one of your kids or something like that, then you need to go and change your password. You know, don't just ignore these things. Make sure you've enabled any of these additional notifications that are available in the systems that you're using. And make sure you set up any account recovery options that are on offer and make sure they're up to date so that you can regain access to your account. And again, you might see these things where 
There might be somewhere in the settings that says, hey, you can add an additional recovery email address. So if something happens and you can't get into your account, we will send a recovery code or a link or something to an additional email address that you've got stored on the account. But make sure you actually put this information in make sure it's kept up to date. Next up is to practice good online hygiene. So be cautious about the information that you share online and you should limit the personal information that you make publicly available. So I'll give you an example. When it comes to Facebook, be extra cautious of any requests that suddenly appear from an old school friend, maybe some you've not heard from for a long time. Now, you could actually all be ready to be friends with this person because, I mean, I don't know how many what's the average number of Facebook friends that people have, but it's usually in the hundreds, right? You may be friends with someone and just not realized or forgotten that you're friends with this person. And suddenly you get a new request from this person and got the profile photo and it all looks genuine. But actually all the hacker has done is looked at someone that you're connected with, created a fake account, and then sent you a connection request. And you see that person, you recognize them, you accept it. And of course, once they're friends, they get to find out more information about you by being a friend on Facebook, okay? And people don't realize that the information that they share can and will be used against you to get into your other online accounts. For example, remember that 40th birthday photo that you shared? Right, bingo. bingo. Now an attacker knows your date of birth. It's one of the things that might be a security question on any of your online accounts, or it might be something that's needed in order to reset a password or something. Be very careful of this information. It's so easy to look at someone's online accounts to find out who their husband or wife is, the name of their kids, their date of birth, their dog's name, where they live, the registration of their car, because, hey, what happens? They've got a new car, shared the photo of it with the registration plate on the screen, right? All this information can be used to compromise your online accounts. People just don't realize that what is innocent information they are sharing is vital when it comes to security. So, be very cautious about that next photo that you're going to share on your social media accounts. And finally, stay informed about the latest cybersecurity threats and best practices. Now, cybersecurity is an ever-changing landscape and six months in this industry is like 10 years in another. And it's really important to stay up to date on the latest threats and vulnerabilities and security recommendations to protect online accounts. Now, it's really easy for me to say this because this is what we do, okay? But as a busy business owner or the person responsible for managing IT in the business, I expect that you don't have the time to do this like we do, which is why you need to work with a security-focused IT company that has your back. And, oh, I wonder where you could find one of those. So in conclusion, while MFA is a valuable security measure, don't rely on this because it can be really risky. It's crucial you adopt a multi-layer security approach and implement additional security measures beyond MFA, remembering to use strong unique passwords, stay vigilant against phishing attacks, keep software and devices up to date, practice good online hygiene, and try and stay informed as best as you can about cybersecurity best practices. Now, I hope you found all this information helpful and understanding the limitations of relying solely on MFA. I know we've banged on about it in the industry for a long time now, but what becomes the latest, greatest thing to help protect you eventually just becomes something else that gets compromised. And we're probably getting to that point where we've 
talked about it so much to the point that people think that that's it, right? It's the silver bullet. You've got an MFA, nothing bad's going to happen. So hopefully everything I've shared with you in this episode has kind of highlighted that that's a really bad idea, right? So if you'd like to get started on your cybersecurity journey and improving security in your business, why not book a free, no obligation call with me? You can see my calendar online at m3networks.co.uk forward slash meetmark. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.